Well, we're doing a, a series called Re-Up. Everybody say Re-Up. And uh, I'll finish out that series next week. And then we'll be shifting gears going into a, another series that actually uh, is called Four Cups. And we'll talk about that a little, a little bit later. Um, in life, I don't know if you've noticed this, and I'm being facetious, but there are a lot of things that try to get you down. Anybody have anything or anybody try to get you down Oh, this week? 17 of you. The rest of y'all do get out, right? Honestly, how many of you have had something try to try to get you down? And, and, you know, we understand that. And I think life is that way, the gravity of life, the weight of events and so forth in life. They just, they do that to us. And then we have the enemy of our soul. And he's very intent and strategic in, uh, uh, about that, about getting you down. And it's very important that we understand this whole idea of re-up. Re, that prefix, is to return to a previous state. To return to a previous state. We need to re-up. How many of you probably need to re-up several times before lunch? You know, <laughs> daily. You know, excuse me, one moment, you know. And, and we've got to go and, and kind of re-up. And here's the deal, though. It's understandable. And I want this known. It is understandable. So you're under no condemnation. You never have to pretend like things don't get you down. Because some of you, just the nature of your work, some of you, what's going on at home, uh, news that you would hear, things going on in your body, in your mind, whatever, it's understandable why those things would tend to get you down. But here, zero in with me on this. It might get you down, but here's, here's what you do. You don't let it keep you down. Don't let it keep you down. That's where it's dangerous. Something might get you down, but you don't let it keep you down. Here's what Micah the prophet said, Micah 7, 8. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, help me, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Here's our battle cry. Here's our mantra here. I'm either up or I'm getting up. Say it one more time. I'm either up or I'm getting up. And so there's no condemnation. Listen, you know, hey, some things kind of working, I mean, this and that, you know, that's understandable. I could explain it for you. I could go around and make a case for any one of us to kind of be down. But here's what we do. We're either up or we're getting up. So can I mess with your vocabulary a little bit? Semantics do matter. Words do matter here. Uh, Stop saying, well, I'm just down and I've been down. Better said is this, I'm getting up. And you know, we'll understand that. Gone is the day you go and pretend at church. And just pretend, well, we're all good and praise the Lord. Everything's just perfect. Is this heaven? <laughs> no, because you wouldn't be here because you're lying. <laughs> so say it with me again. I'm either up or I'm getting up. And uh, I'm telling you what, I wear this one out. Here's why. Here's the principle underneath. The direction and trajectory of life for a believer is what? It's up. It's up. Think about it. We're raised to life. We even sing about that today. We're raised to life. We're headed to heaven. We have help from above. Our direction, our trajectory is up. That word trajectory is important because it's our overall path of where we're headed. Your, your week up close might, you know, look, you know, like a seasick whatever, you know, but ultimately we're headed up and you want to keep that thing nose up, okay? We're... we're Our direction, our trajectory of life for the believer is up. Say it again. I'm either up or I'm getting up. 
Now, real quick, and I want to insert this. I don't want it to sound like a commercial. This is the heart of your pastor here. And I want to say this, man up, man up. Um, Last week, I talked to you a little more at length about this. But this fall, just in a a few weeks from now, we're going to do a five-week campaign with the men of the church. We're calling it Fight. And it's going to be a powerful thing. We're going to start with a rally. We're going to end with a rally. And we have five weeks of small groups. And what we're going to do, we're going to have a 1,000 men in 100 groups. A 1,000 men in 100 groups for five weeks. I'm calling on all the men, man up and be a part of this. Well, I'm usually, come, be a part of this. And here's what we need uh, right away. We're on our way, but we need 100 group leaders, obviously. And we're on our way to that, but we need some more guys. And so if there's anything at all going on in your heart about, well, maybe I could do that. I'm, I'm telling you, I believe God is stirring your heart. And I want you to step across the line to do that. We will help you in every way to do it. It's a video curriculum. You don't have to make up stuff or whatever. If, if you're halfway pleasant and, and you understand what we're talking about, we need you as a group leader. We will help you. Pastor Sean will get all over that with you. And I'll tell you what else. God will help you because the cause is men. And, the, and the, how that matters is this. We believe the better the man, the better anything else is. Most of disappointment, pain, dysfunction in life, either directly or indirectly, comes because a man has not stepped. He's either missing from his role or he's not filling out that role. And so under our watch, we're, we're going to touch at least a thousand men uh, here just, just coming up. And guys, get here for that. Please get here for that. And I need those, uh, those hundred leaders too. You can go to the hub for small groups or you can go online even. And the, the uh, deadline for the application for leader is, is this Wednesday, the 20th. Am I correct? The 20th. So you need to get those in. And all the guys said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah, three of you. All right, good deal. I didn't warn you. I didn't warn you. Well, we're celebrating today the 25th anniversary of the church. And as I said in prayer, this is just, it's just a pause, okay? Um, we're not going to build a tabernacle here. You know, so often scripture like Peter, we should build something. You know, we've, we've got to keep going. We want to mark it. We want to mention it. And then we want to keep going because you know what? Uh, our world is changing. And the church has to be equipped and the church has to be confident and prepared to go into that. You know, it can't just be leave it to Beaver Sunday school days anymore. This is, uh, and, and we've got whole new issues that we're having to find the Jesus way to, to uh, uh, approach things and, and, and to walk in the warfare that is, in, that is in the world as well and to do that in the right way. So, but we stop on this day and 25th anniversary to mark this, to celebrate. And again, tonight, come be with us for that. Um, but I want to share with you in the next few moments just a few lessons and there are a lot of them. Um, but I want to share just a, a couple of things that just really I feel impressed of the Lord to share with you today that apply not only to pastoring a church for 25 years, um, but they're going to apply to your life on an everyday kind of basis. And so listen up on these things, and I think that they'll help you. Um, over 25 years, you need to know that there have been a, a number of moments where I just want to say, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I want to go to Albuquerque, drive a potato chip truck, bowl four nights a week, and uh, barbecue probably five nights a week, you know. And that sounded like a better life at times, you know. And uh, I would be miserable before I got there. Because I want you to know there's a call of God on, on the inside of me, and you have a call. 
and this is my call, and I, I, I could never leave it. And I know that. It's just momentary insanity that, that kind of goes through, and you just want the relief of that. But with the call is grace. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, I feel so privileged. I feel like I've got, I, I get to do what I'm called to do, and I just feel so blessed and excited to do that. But I have had to, and I'll admit it to you, over the course of 25 years, I've had to re-up a number of times. I've had to re-up with, okay, God, I'm sorry, I hated all the people today. You know, or, or what? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, Lord, I, Lord, I'm sorry that I felt like quitting. You know, and you look in the Bible, and most of the good guys, they want to quit at some point, you know. And, and don't ever feel sorry for me, okay? Uh, that's not what this is about. But there have been times just as like, okay, wow, I have to do these certain things. And sometimes you can let them become works or whatever and have to realize I have to re-up. I have to make a fresh commitment to God. And I don't know how many times I've re-upped with the Lord. And you know what? The Lord welcomes it every time, every time. Uh, Don't ever think that, you know, we make that one commitment. We're good to go the rest of the time. Hey, this is rough, rough terrain that we're traveling over, folks, in life. Amen? And and you're going to have to re-up. And I encourage you to continue to do that. God has been good to us. That was very weak. God has been good to us. Uh, We look in the Psalms and the psalmist would often talk about the goodness of God and the people would rejoice. And we need to realize God has been very, very good to Meadowbrook Church. I want you to hear hear this with measure here. In, In a lot of ways, this church is considered successful. I have numbers and stats and different things like that and comparative things and I could have brought them with me today and, and it doesn't serve our purpose today. And it's really not even our goal. And this is what we need to know. While we've been very successful as a, as a church, God measures success differently than the way the world measures success. And we've had some of that, but God measures it differently. God measures success differently than the way church world measures success. And so at the end of the day, I really don't care about worldly success or even church world success. I want to make sure that we're successful with God. I want to make sure that I am. I want to make sure that you are. I want to make sure that we are. So just real quick, here's a little bit to look at. Success with God really is made up of this, that we do things his way, do things his way, which assumes that you're doing something he wanted you to do. You find that first and then do things his way. And then you must depend on him. You've got to depend on him. And then thirdly, you've got to give him all the glory. You've got to give him all the glory. If you're going to be successful with God, we've got to do this constantly. Do things his way. You're going to have to depend upon him every time. Did you know the first Sunday of the church 25 years ago, I was so afraid I was so afraid and so desperate and dependent on God. And you know what? When I woke up this morning, 25 years later, I'm so afraid. And I'm dependent and desperate for God. It's a dangerous thing because I have guys that are off the radar now. People that I know that are off the radar now from ministry. Because they got good at it. And they got comfortable with it. And I want to finish my course. And I don't want myself or this church or anything else to be a flash in the pan. Remember that? No, I, I want this to go kingdom style, glory to glory, all the way to the end. Uh, let's do this and have success with God. Can I get an amen on that this morning? Now, we've had uh, a lot of growth and made a lot of impact. 
And for that, I'm very grateful, but I want you to hear the balance of this. I'm so grateful. I celebrate today. I'm encouraged for the future today. But, but look at me. Listen at, at, at me for this. But there's, there's another side of this that we've got to look at. I want to call it, and using this re-up idea here, heads up. Everybody say heads up. Or we might could say this one, listen up. Listen up. But here's really where I want to go with this today. Take heed. Take heed. 49 times in Scripture, this warning shows up. And it really means in the language to, you better really look at this. You better look around. Remember in Ephesians, it says you've got to walk circumspectly. You know, you have to be aware of some things. You have to see some things. And so while we celebrate some success and growth and impact, uh, I think the larger issue is this. Take heed. Take heed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, y'all out there? Come back tonight, I'll give you a cupcake, but pay attention now, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, that's up, take heed. There it is. Take take heed lest he what? Lest he fall. That's down. And the direction should be up. But the danger is that when you think, hey, this is going pretty good. When you get to that place, well before that place, you need to take heed. Here's the warning. Heads up. Listen up. Take heed. You, you better watch this. Because if you don't, then you fall. In Romans 11, verse 20, it says, uh, Don't be proud. Rather, fear. Now, as believers, we resist fear. But how many of you know there's different kinds of fear? There's different kinds of fear. And this is not talking about be afraid of everything and be timid and, and all of that. What it's talking about is don't be proud. Everybody say, don't be proud. Instead of being proud, here's what you need to do. You need to fear. And that word right there actually means reverently afraid. It means to just be in awe. Just to be in awe of God and know that without him we can do what? You can do nothing. We can do zilch without him. You can't even find your way to the same place twice without God. Every day button in your shirt would be a new chore. If you didn't have God to help you, I mean, to help us with everything. Are, are you all with me? And what we've got to do is take heedless when you think, oh, man, this is going good. Well, that doesn't mean you let go of the steering wheel. That doesn't mean that you don't keep up the maintenance and you don't play by the rules and do all this. Thing. You have to continue on with that. And so what you do, don't be proud, rather fear. And this is, this is the deal. I believe that pride is so dangerous that God gives us the antidote for pride. And he said, it's this, it's fear. It's a whole, holy awareness, a holy awe of God. And when you have that, that will kind of displace the fear. And here's what's at stake. Proverbs 16 says that pride goes before what? No, actually before destruction. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a before a fall. And the direction would be down if we don't realize, I better humble myself. We better humble ourselves. And it's not about, you know, being so down on ourselves. It's just an awareness of how awesome God is and that he would even look our way. Let alone, as we sang this morning, pay it all. Because we messed it all up. And now for him to work in our life and through our life, you know, there better be this this holy humility in our life. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 12 in the, in the message paraphrase. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. 
Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Can I tell you the happiest day, the most confident day of your life is when you walk into any situation knowing that God goes before me. He's a shield around me. He's with me. Well, what are you going to do? Don't know, but got God with me. You know, that's, a, that's an awesome thing. When we first, when I first walked into the Ocala Hilton to see about renting a room to start a church, I didn't have any money. I didn't have any answers. I wasn't sure of the name. I wore shiny pants and had a sorry car. And none of it mattered. Because there's something, and I'll talk a little bit more about it tonight, just, just briefly. But I just, I just knew, God, you're with me. I felt it. I could go walk the path from where I parked to the business office there. And I knew that he was with me. I had no confidence in myself. But I had God confidence. And I don't know what you're going through or where it's at. The emergency room, the courthouse, your, your house, what, wherever it is. I want you to know, get that God confidence in your life. Self-confidence, it's just useless. And then you start acting a fool. Develop that God confidence. I'm telling you, that's the place to be. Can I get an amen this morning? Now, Jeremiah chapter 17, and this has been the foundational passage for this church from the beginning. Starting in verse 5. Thus says the Lord. Should we listen? Yeah. Thus says the Lord, cursed... And this Hebrew word here means hemmed in with obstacles, powerless to resist, not the place you want to be. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and who makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. You start trusting in you, your heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub. Everybody say shrub. Uh, One translation says a tumbleweed, a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Here we go. God confidence. Whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree. Everybody say tree. Tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river. Get the imagery here. Uh, And will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. How many of you would rather be the tree than the tumbleweed? Uh, One more chance. How many of you would rather be the tree than the tumbleweed? And that's our logo. Look at our logo here. And it's changed forms over the years, but it's always been a tree with a stream. And, And that's the goal. And it comes from God confidence. It's about putting your hope and your trust in God. That's better than being a tumbleweed. It says nothing to do with the message, but Monday is my day off. And last Monday, I just told Leisha, I said, I just have to totally zone. I have to be brainless today. And so I told her, she said, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to watch a cowboy movie. <laughs> so I watched Desperado, 1985 classic. And it had everything cowboy in it. It had the saloon. You know, it had the shootout, had the, you know, stagecoach getting robbed, had all, all this, everything cowboy, you know, ricochet sounds. Y'all with me? It had everything cowboy and then I'm missing one thing and then the, about the final scene, two guys are about to have it out right in the middle and right across the middle rolled a tumbleweed. Okay, now we got us a cowboy movie, all right? has nothing to do with the message. Um, I'd rather be the tree. 
I'd rather be the tree planted by rivers of living water. You don't fear when heat comes. You don't worry about drought. Your leaves will be green. You're bearing fruit all the time. That's what God wants for us if we'll put our hope and our confidence in the Lord. Amen. First Peter chapter 5. I'm going to hurry along, but I want to make sure that I get this to us. It says, be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud. Watch this carefully. But God gives grace to the humble. Okay, you got that? And then it says, therefore. Here's a little Bible study tip. Therefore. I always ask what the therefore is there for. It's there because it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So because of that, humble yourself. Good choice. Under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care. Say all my care. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Now he said humble yourself. And then parenthetically he says under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And then he says this. Casting all your cares on him. So the Bible is revealing to us here that one of the ways to humble yourself is to cast your cares on God. Because when you don't cast your cares on God... You're saying, I don't need God. You're saying, I got this one. And you couldn't be more confused. You know, when we carry cares, you need to understand this. When we carry our cares, you're not designed to carry your cares. You're not equipped to do it. How many of you remember the Yugo? Anybody drive one today? That makes my point too. But if you had a Yugo and you backed it up to some huge loaded down trailer and you, okay, I got it. Here we go. Before long, you've got smoke and flames coming through your dashboard. Am I right? Why? Because it's not equipped for it. It can't handle that. And yet, here you go. Y'all missed that one. Um, In life. You're not made to carry care. Oh, no, I'm pretty good. I, I've got high t- pain tolerance in life and stuff. Yeah, right. And you get a little bit of bad news or whatever, and you're grumpy and edgy. Come on. Yeah. I can't sleep, can't eat, or eat too much. Right? You need a Snickers bar. Yeah. You just, you're just not yourself. For real. You can't take it. Like, you children just get, do you understand what I'm going through? Praise the Lord. Merry Christmas. You're not designed for it. And what we have to do, and listen to me, it's a survival skill and I've learned it. Cast your cares over unto the Lord. If we have God confidence, then we know that God will help us with it. One of the questions I asked the Lord early on in ministry, Lord, how am I going to do what you want me to do? And yet I have to carry all these cares too? And the Lord has taught me in some ways, no, I don't want you to carry the cares. Let me tell you a story. A little over 18 years ago, we were building the first phase of this building. It would be about from there over and all the way down. And then a number of years ago, we added on 110% here and all the rest of the building. And we were building this first part. And I'll tell you, I didn't know what I was doing. And I wasn't physically building the building, but it was, you know, I'm leading the project. And we got, I don't know what to do. I had no confidence. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I had to raise the money. And then a contractor and then subcontractors. And some of the subcontractors were not showing up or they're late or they're doing it wrong and somebody one day somebody came and stole all our copper for our air conditioning you know and just just all the stuff going on and i gotta tell you it was taking the fun out of it all and i had minister friends man that is so awesome we all building that building blah 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 blah, blah. and i'm just i'm dying inside 
And I could feel like my, you know, my stomach, my lungs, my brain, just, just everything. And, and I'd walk through here every day. And I'd walk through and just look at the progress, you know, and I'd leave more discouraged than when I, than when I came. And I said, God, you got to help me. And we weren't that far into the, the project at this point. And I went back, and I'm just carrying it. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, probably some of the greatest stress I'd ever felt in my life is physically affecting me. And I walked back into, which was now room 202. And that would have been a, the back corner of the building. And there had been like maybe two, three runs a block at that point. Walls weren't even all the way up. And, and I just kind of stood in that back corner. It's a holy place to me now. It's a closet now. But it's holy. And I'm standing there. And there have been very few times that I... A, a lot of times I know the Lord has spoken to me, but very few times that it, it was so clear, so I know God, you're speaking to me. And I never heard with my ears, but I'm telling you, I know God spoke to me. And I'm carrying literally the cares of the world felt like, and I'm standing there, not even know what to think or to do. Just kind of looking out and gave a big sigh. And I know that the Lord spoke into me and he said this. When this is all done, Will you take the credit? And I said, no, sir. He said, then I don't want you to take the cares either. And I said, yes, sir. And on that day, I settled that. It clicked for me. And people around me, my wife being prime can tell you, if I'm good at one thing, it's casting cares. (laughs) Because I can't carry them, but I know who can And that will help you lead a church for a quarter of a century, but that also will help you on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. And wherever you're at is going to help you on any of those days. We've got to learn to cast our cares over onto the Lord. And here's what we do. I'm just going to call it this with the re-up idea. Give it up. Give it up. You've got to give up the cares and you've got to give up also the credit. You've got to give up the glory to God. And that's not some just religious pat phrase. Give all the glory to God. It has to be a non-negotiable in your heart and your life. Anything good happen for you, you better give glory to the one who made it happen. Isaiah said several times, quoting the Lord, he said, I share my glory with no one. And we give it all to the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let me share just one other thing and then we'll, we'll wrap this up this morning. And I'll, I'll just call this trade up trade up. In John chapter 9, there's a guy, he's a man now, but when he was born, he was born blind. And everybody around knew him and he's blind. Can't see and that affects his status in society and every, every other thing. And one day Jesus comes along. Doesn't that usually make the difference? Are y'all here? Jesus comes along and he, with his own saliva and the dirt on the ground, made mud and he put it in the man's eyes. And he said, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And uh, what would you do? He went to the pool of Siloam and he washed and he could see. And right away, the religious leaders, because they're so threatened and so self-confident, and they're, they're coming undone. And here's Jesus just takes spit and dirt and heals a guy on a day that they say he's not even supposed to do that. And it's, it's you know, toppled everything here. And so they're bombarding him with questions. How did he do this? When did he do this? Who is that? Do you know this? And just ask him question, 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 question. And then they even went to his parents and badgered them and asked all of these questions. And finally, they come back to the guy and they're asking him more questions. And don't miss this. In John 9, 26, he says this. They asked him another question. He goes, I don't know. 
I don't know. But one thing I do know. I was blind. And now I see. And you know what? You're going to have things that are going to push you. And questions. Questions are going to come. All kinds of things. And you, you've just got to get this settled. I, I don't know. I don't know all those things. But I do know this. Now here's the principle that I want us to get on this. Never trade what you do know for what you don't know. Now think about it for a moment. Never trade what you do know for what you don't know. See, sometimes, like my mom, my mom passed in 1990. And when she passed, she died of cancer. And I prayed, and I went and visited her, and I believed God, and everything that I knew to do, and my mom passed. Why? I don't know. I don't know. And I have people come, well, how come this happened? And why didn't that happen? And how'd they get away with this? And, 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 and you know what? I just, I don't know. I don't know. Well, a lot of people will abandon what they do know because a question shows up. Well, if God is so good, blah, 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 why'd that happen? I don't know. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to trade out what I do know for what I don't know. So you better get at least a short list of what you do know. That I will never trade this. I will not trade this for anything. Are you, are you following me on this? Here's just a little short list of my, I do know, and I won't trade this. I know that God loves me. I know that nothing can separate me from that love. I know that I'm never alone. I know that I'm never without help. I know that he does hear me when I pray. I, and I've come to find out this too. There have been times in my life where I thought, you know, God, where are you? And I've come to find out this. He was there all the time. All the time. God has a bigger picture than we do. His vantage point is better than ours. Listen to me, church. Do not trade what you do know. And our culture and people around you, well, if God is this, what if, what, but all these questions. Uh, okay, I don't know. I don't know, but what I do know is this. And you need to get that and never trade that away. There have been occasions over the last quarter of a century, gosh, that sounds so long, that I've had to just ask myself, do I really believe what I say I believe? And I want to say to you today that on those occasions, I go, I'm going to act like I believe what I say I believe. And I walked out on what I believed and I stood upon it and it held me. And so today I not only believe, I know some things. And the things I know I will never trade for what I don't know. And I got to tell you, there's a lot I don't know. And one thing as a pastor, when I was a little, little kid in church and even a teenager in church, sometimes I'd go and ask the pastor a question. And you know what? I'd ask him something and I, I got this a number of times. Well, these are the deep things of God that young men like you wouldn't even understand. And forgive me, but I wanted to punch a pastor. <laughs> and honestly, it was so discouraging at times. In my mind, I thought, you know, when I'm of age, I'm never coming back to church. So I've made it kind of a policy. If I don't know, I'm going to tell you, I don't know. Let me tell you what I do know. And I'll go and ask on this. But I'm telling you, God is faithful. Amen. God is strong. God is true. God is able. I can't answer all the questions for a lot of other things, but you need to know those things. 
And then whatever else is going on, swirling around, whatever, you hold fast to what you know. Walk out. Go ahead and stand on what you believe. It'll hold you up. It will hold you up. Amen? Well, God has been faithful, and I have no reason, no reason at all to believe that he won't continue to be faithful. And I just want to say this. Today I, I celebrate. I'm encouraged. But I choose to remain afraid. To live in attention of not just on the high side of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm victory minded. But I can't just live on the high side of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have to remember the very foundation of that in John 15, 5 that came out of Jesus' own mouth. And he said, but without me, you can do nothing. Now, thank God I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Live on that side. But never, never, never let go of this in the middle of it. I don't care how good it goes. Without him, I can't breathe. Without him, I can't think. Without him, nothing, nothing. With him, all things. But I choose to remain afraid. To live in a holy awe of a holy God. And that's the happiest, safest place that any of us can be. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. Happy anniversary, Meadowbrook Church. God bless you guys.